The mayor called for serious consequences. State-sponsored hatred is beginning the process of healing. From the smallest room in New York City. Rape is inevitable. Enjoy it. Comes a show that gives you a reason to live. Strap Hanger was randomly punched in the face by a ski mask clad maniac who then slashed his face from cheek to neck in a, uh, you know, what, what do we call this place? The Boogie D. Boogie D subway station, according to cops on Sunday. Uh, the brood had followed 49-year-old victim to the top of the street staircase at the Morrison Soundview Avenue number 6 train station around 5.45 a.m. on the 12th. They, the man in it then punched a victim who was commuting to work at the time. Cut his face from his right cheek to the back of his neck with a sharp object. And I, I mean, you know, I don't know where he works, but I don't think that's going to fly. <laughs> Joining me now is, uh, is uh, 40-year-old, uh, yeah, 40. You did this for 40 years. My God, that is super old. Uh, Pete Panuccio, a night watch detective uh, from NYPD, now retired. Hey, Pete, how you doing? Good evening, sir. Uh, what do you think of uh, Morrison Soundview Avenue Station? It seems like that's a very popular one for this sort of thing. Well, that's one of those reasons that you don't go there, unless you have to go there. Mm. Um, nothing yeah. is going to happen that's good in Soundview at 545 in the AM. Oh, I mean, the guy's on his way to work, too. You know, that guy's got an early morning job and is working hard, yeah. no doubt. But those are the people that get victimized the most. It's, yeah. the, it's the guy that's got to get up and bust his hump, going out working, and then you got to deal with this shit box of a human being slashing your face open. Man's a professional hump buster, you know, and now we've got to do it with a cut uh, noggin. And I don't know how many stitches he required here, but I would assume it was quite a bit. Now, this guy bothered to put on a ski mask to do this. I, I figure that's unusual because normally... Yeah, they most gotta, of them just don't care. Yeah. Or, I mean, this guy... the. Maybe it's not as premeditated with some of the other ones, too. I don't know. No, a lot of it's just random violence these days. This particular guy here, mm -hmm. I mean, as an investigator, you know, I would have to delve a little bit and say, you piss anybody off or you fighting with anybody or... Because you never know. There have been instances where, you know... Yeah. But... Here's the other side of that coin. It's also been pretty cold out in the morning. That's true. Um, <laughs> That's a simple explanation, right? Yeah. The guy's just, he wasn't trying to hide his identity. He just, I didn't want his face to get cold. Uh, a guy in a ski mask instantly looks like a criminal, though. I wonder if that's even true in the colder places like Minnesota, you know, where they wear those. Uh, they have to wear them in places like that, I guess, right? Yeah, you do. But you know what? I used to get, a, you know, I used to get alarmed when I would see a guy wearing a ski mask and it was July. That, yeah. That was usually either you're completely out of your mind or he's about to charge the ring. Yes. <laughs> well, there is criminality afoot. Yeah. Uh, remember some of those mass wrestlers, though? Mr. Wrestling number two. I don't know if you had him up here or not. He was down in a Georgia championship wrestling, maybe. Mil Mascaris. <laughs> that was the guy back in the 70s. You Mil Mascaris. Mil Mascaris. Channel 47, Lucha Libre, Patterson, New Jersey. They, although those Lucha Libre ones always do that, don't they? Yeah, you know, but they, they all some, wear masks. They had some good villains back then. But yeah. Mil Mascaris was, you know, he's the man of many masks. Oh. And uh, always had a very nice, nobody to the, I, well, I'm sure somebody knew who he was. But so that's the thing, you, you never know. just don't know. And then they go around not being famous when they, you know, they're famous people. Mr. Wrestling number two. <laughs> it was Mr. Wrestling one and two. They were a tag team, and then Mr. Wrestling, I guess the tag team dissolved, and then he was just Mr. Wrestling number two. 
Yeah. <laughs> now he's just a douche because yeah. without one, he would get his ass kicked. Well, yeah. I don't know where one ended up. I really never saw him on his own. I, I, I was so shocked to find out that those Anderson brothers weren't really brothers. I'm, I've, I've always been naive. That kind of like really bummed you out on it? I didn't get too bummed, but uh, I found it out later in life when, you know, when I didn't care so much. Then this guy got punched uh, after. After being uh, cut, no, he was punched. He was punched in the face, then slash, punch and slash. That's the way to go. So you don't get your hand bloody, I guess. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't just like a quick, you know, but like uh, he, he wanted to hurt him. You know, he, he like there was animosity directed towards him. You think? Well, you know, you just don't know anymore because so many of these people are insane. Right. I went to 7-Eleven the other day at 33rd Madison. All you do is brag, Pete. I do. And, you know, every now and then I'll hear somebody screaming at night. Not like calls for help, but like, like he's making a speech. Oh, right, right, right. Well, I finally got to meet the guy the other day at 3.30 in the afternoon as he was standing out there making a speech at the top of his lungs. And big dude, real big dude, at 6'4". And I'm like, oh, man, I don't have to deal with this guy. Well, that guy can just talk all he wants. Uh, yeah. And I go to the corner, and there's some other raving lunatic that's just flinging out punches. Every couple of seconds, he would do like a quick step. But this was going on. It just didn't stop. And you could see that that whole east side of the street was clearing out when they got near 33rd Street. They went to the west side of Madison Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what else can you do? Because these people are unhinged, they're unmedicated, and you don't know what is going to piss them off that they have to punch you and then slash your face open. I mean, the guy's standing there punching the air, right? I He would have no problem punching somebody in the face if right. somebody looked at him wrong. Yeah, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. He'll punch nothing. He'll punch somebody. He'll punch, he's just there punching. And, and this guy wasn't a guy that was practicing his shadow boxing either. I see. This was a lunatic. Yeah. Oh, uh, I see what you mean. He's fighting, you know, whatever imaginary, <laughs> you know, wrestling number two. I mean, I don't yeah. know. I don't. Might have been rest, Mr. Wrestling number two. Yeah, maybe. But he scared the balls off of everybody on that side of the street. It's a shame. It's, it's just stuff like that didn't used to persist not that long ago you know just didn't see it no but, you, but uh, two years ago you could call the cops and say listen there's this lunatic out here one screaming at the top of his lungs and the other is beating up the air yeah um can you guys get him out of there and you would you would you would drive over there and say yeah buddy you gotta move or if it, you know got a little bit worse you're like all right you're going off to the to the nut house for right. a couple of days yeah and you would do something about it you would and you didn't worry about losing your job either right now, cops are just going to drive right by. You don't have to get involved and lose your job over this until it's a clear and present danger, I guess. And then they have to make a decision. I guess they don't have to make a decision. It's made for them. They'll still go exactly. in and take care of business. That's uh, the good thing, you know, is that the commitment to the job that, that they seem to have. Thank God for that. The attacker fled the scene in an unknown direction. Victim ran out of the station to a nearby uh, vehicle. Let's see. Police released surveillance images for the attacker. He's a guy in a ski mask. It's, you know, what more can you say? Yeah, I think the facial recognition system uh, <laughs> might have a problem with that. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, another guy, this guy was is 61. The other guy was 49. He's like, uh, 61, you're getting to be a senior there. And he was... Uh, Watch it, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to characterize it the way the 
Noel Quinton was riding on a New York City, uh, excuse me, Quintana, New York City subway train. Yeah. He was on his way to his uh, first of two jobs. This guy also on his way to work. And he was just, it says, just minding his business and praying the rosary on the subway train. But soon, an, an emotionally disturbed man, that's right, an EDP, began kicking his backpack, this psycho. He asked the man to stop. Mm, see, that's that's a mistake. You just get your backpack and, and walk off. You don't, why are you asking him for anything? The guy, he's already kicking your backpack. He's not really Yeah, interested it's not going to get any better from here. He knows already that you don't want that to happen. He asked the man to stop, noting to people that after it happened more than once, he asked, what's wrong with you? And moved away from the man. Yeah, okay, well. I, I'm not blaming a victim here or anything like that. I'm just saying. No, he doesn't sound too bright. He's, he's not handling it the way that I would. When he was about to leave the L train at, its f- at the First Avenue 14th Street stop, the man slashed him across the face. And boy, did he slash him. Uh, he's, the guy says he saw a box cutter in the man's hand. So maybe he was going to hijack the subway. And then uh, that's the hijacker weapon, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. Uh, <laughs> the suspect fled. They're still looking for him. Police said, I put my hand on my face. When I saw my hand, it was full of blood. Quintana added oh, yeah. to the magazine. I, we call cuts like that a, the buck 50. Why is that? Because you're going to get about 150 stitches. Oh, yeah. As you saw the picture, the guy's got a chubby face. I don't know if it's swollen or, or you know what, but... Uh, you see, this guy looks like he was punched as well. They don't mention any punching, but he's got... When you get cut like that, do you get black eyes from blood draining down or something? Not or usually. Blood loss? No. Yeah, so maybe this guy's just sleepy from working on two jobs. Uh, but he's cut from his ear all the way across his left cheek and then across both nostrils, right across the nostrils, and then you well over hurt. all the way across... That's not a. That's hardly a slash. That's like a dig in and drag, you know. I mean, it's a slash, but you know what I mean. That's a. It seems like that would take a sec. Uh, it depends. You'd be surprised. Most people, when they get hit like that, don't even realize they're bleeding at first. Right. It happens that fast. Does it hurt or nothing? It's fast. You well, know? it starts hurting, but uh, when it first happens, you, you like you thought you got punched or slapped. Meanwhile. You know, this guy just opened your face up. Yeah, bad. I mean, this guy is, uh, yeah, he's open. Open, uh, and, and uh, we're, we're seeing it now in the stitched up version. You say about a buck fifty. I don't have any problem believing that. That's yeah, a lot. That's a big cut. This guy's going to be... Uh, There's also a lot of stitching, people don't realize, that goes on under the surface, too. Mm. Um, you start cutting tendons and muscles in your face, and yeah, um, you got a ways to go there. That's a lot of work, and... You know, uh, if he goes for corrective surgery, that's a bad, that particular cut that we're looking at here, that's a bad cut. He's, it's like right across, I don't know how, the underside of the nostrils, right across. I mean, he's going to have trouble blowing his nose for a while, but is it me? Now you look at this picture. Or is it, is that an unusually large space between his mouth and nose? That looks almost unnatural. It's kind of. Let's put it this way: He could really rock a mustache yeah. if he wanted to, he, uh, like a really big mustache. He's got, he could rock. He could rock a billboard. This yeah. this 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 lip for sale. Uh, you know, uh, police said he needed about oh about a hundred stitches. It says okay, well, it's a buck. Uh, Quintana's family told ABC News the wounds were so deep he couldn't speak. When I saw him, I started crying. Oh no. Uh, Vilma of yeah, you know, but this all goes back to everything that's going on. 
Here's this poor working stiff. He's just trying to go to work. You have to deal with this shit. And uh, that's a bad wound. That's a really bad wound. Yeah. Uh, he's Asian, and it says, uh, according to this story in the blend, it says Asian seniors are being targeted in unprovoked subway attacks. Everybody's being targeted in them, though. I don't, I don't, uh, do you see a predominance of Asians there? I mean, I don't see that. Well, I think you see a lot of reporting as in regards to Asians. There are probably yeah. many other incidents we're just not hearing about them. But, but we do hear about them. We, we report slashed women and people pushed in front of trains and all kinds of stuff. It's not, yeah, but to right, me, yeah. I'm not seeing a ton of Asians. Just there's some, you know. Well, right now it's the flavor of the day. And, uh, and that's what they're excited about. anti-Asian crimes on the rise across the country. New York City is launching a campaign to help combat hate in the five boroughs. Political reporter Mirka Schirmer has tonight's story. Wellington Chen came to New York from Hong Kong in the 1970s, but he was never afraid to walk the streets near his flushing home until now. Last Friday night, a few blocks away from here, an Asian man like just walking out house from a few doors from his, and he got slack on the floor, gash across his forehead. Me just walking out to the door on the floor, the next thing he woke up is chief and a, a broken house. And he's not alone in worrying about his safety. I worry about my family because they're elderly. They don't speak a lot of good English. Nobody's out there to protect them. Hate crimes against Asian Americans are on the rise. More than 3,000 anti-Asian coronavirus hate crimes last year nationwide. In New York City last year, there were 29, 24 motivated by COVID-19. That's prompted Mayor de Blasio to mount a Stop Asian Hate Crime campaign, the mayor pinning some of the blame on former President Trump. Just the absence of the negative racist voice of Donald Trump in our daily discourse is beginning the process of healing. But the residue, as you indicated, the residue of that state-sponsored hatred uh, is still very strong. The mayor called for serious consequences. I pressed him to explain since his own police commissioner has railed against bail reform measures that he says treat people too leniently. The consequences have to be strong enough for people to get the message that it's absolutely unacceptable. Sometimes it is a financial penalty, but when you're talking about violence, uh, obviously jail time uh, is what makes the impact. Many in the Asian community tell me hate crimes are underreported. The Manhattan District Attorney prosecuted nine Asian hate crime cases last year, the most ever. The year before, there were none. In Flushing, Queens, I'm Marsha Kramer, CBS 2 News. They're excited about it. They write them up a little bit harder, I think. You know, you had the, there was another incident in Chinatown last week where this man. Well, if you're going to cut somebody in Chinatown, you don't have a choice. He didn't cut him. He just literally just cross-checked her and, and, I mean, blasted this woman right into a bunch of, uh, you know, those little plastic magazine stands they have on every corner. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he was apprehended. But this is just one of these angry time bombs walking around for whatever reason. Boom. And that particular incident, I don't think it was, there were no words, um, no derogatory. Nobody called anybody a chink or a gook or anything like that. Yeah. He just hauled off and laid this lady out. Well, uh, they're trying to say it's, oh, people are picking on Asians because of the issues with COVID. Right. The China virus. Yeah. It's, it all goes back still. I mean, the, the man's gone. At this point, why are they they're trying to continue this narrative of like he said China virus, that's bad. 
they're trying to build sympathy, maybe. You know, really, China's running the country basically now anyway. So, I mean, like, maybe that's why we're Well, we just restored there. funding to the Wuhan laboratory. Of course. So. Oh, my God. They weren't doing nothing wrong. No. They were just experimenting on bats with coronavirus, and it, and then the virus came from somewhere around there. It's a coincidence. Yes. Uh, and totally crashed the United States economy. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 has ruined American life. Let's face it; it's ruined American life. Yeah. American life is ruined, and it's never going to be unruined until we just unruin it ourselves. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, by the way, one more thing on this: uh, a seventy-one-year-old woman told the station a man walked right up to her while the E train was moving and punched her in the face. I guess she must have been. Uh, she's an Asian woman as well. ABC. Yeah, okay, we'll see. They're they're trying to back up their claim here that uh, two other Asian adults were attacked uh, on separate trains on Tuesday. One was a seventy year old woman who, you know, seventy one year old punched in the face. Uh, the woman said her attacker was in his forties, wearing a blue jacket, black pants, and a black mask. Didn't utter a word. And then she added that uh, to the she added to the station that she wanted to get up to beat him up, but he left the scene for another train. He was in a hurry to get to his next victim. That's uh, near. Uh, he uh, the NYPD isn't in, is not investigating the ins- the assault as a potential hate crime, uh, but she said there's no doubt that the attack on her was racially motivated because two smaller non-Asian women were sitting next to her, and yet she was singled out. I got to tell you, it's uh, that doesn't prove anything. It, it, no, it's completely useless. But it's, the newspaper is going to throw it at you. You know, these become self-fulfilling prophecies too. The more you cover it, like the knockout game a couple of years ago. You start to stir the pot. Yeah. You stir the pot, and then everybody's knocking people out left and right. And with this year, you know, it's they stirred the pot. They kind of poured the fuel on the foot. But you have to remember, I would say probably in three quarters of these incidents, these people are raving fucking lunatics to begin with, all right? They're not people that are a part of society and that just happen to be mad at Asians. Not a dedicated, uh, you know, no, group uh, of people. And you look at who they hit. They're hitting people that are smaller than them. They're hitting people. Older but, a lot of times. Uh, sure, look at uh, oh, the comedian. Uh, oh, yeah, Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis. Yeah. You know, he looks like a little old man standing out there. And not this Asian. Guy, he was even when he was very young. He was never Asian. Yeah. But that said, he's just minding his own business there, and this pissed off lunatic comes walking by and just beats the balls off. Yeah, him. yeah, he beats him up. And and now uh, this uh, this one here. I, look, I mean that to say like, there's two smaller non-Asian women right here. Why are you picking on me, the big Asian woman? I, I don't know. Think Maybe the victims are the smaller, the I, better, I, or something. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Is she heavy set? He How says, are these non-Asian women smaller than the Asian woman? Was she heavy set? He says, "I'm going to hit the fat chick." I mean, right? It's fat. It's it's a it's a hate crime against fatties. Could be that. Yeah, she's not going to go there then. <laughs> In the other attack that morning earlier, a 68 year old woman was punched. On the back of the head and on the northbound A train. Oh, the, you don't want to be punched on the back of the head on a northbound A train platform on 125th Street. That's where it was in St. Nicholas Avenue. It's uh, painful to get punched in the back of the head. Dangerous. You could fall right into the into the track. Yeah, yeah. Described as a man in his 20s, so it's a different guy. Fled the scene on foot. They, they do this, right? They attack in, sub, on, in the subways quite frequently, and they attack anybody doesn't really matter 
I don't think it matters. I don't. And it's interesting what you say about self fulfilling prophecies. The media turns it into a thing. And how come it is like you were talking about when when like like if uh, somebody like uh, gets beaten up sometimes uh, if if a, a person of one race attacks somebody of another race, it might be a, a hate crime. But in these cases, with this, uh, with the random punching in the street, it's a game, the knockout game. You know, they characterize it a bit differently. You know, hate crime and knockout game have a different ring yeah, to them. As far as I'm concerned, they're all hate crimes. Right. When you get into the, you know, when you start getting into the weeds in the police department, determining who investigates what and what constitutes a hate crime, fucking Socrates couldn't figure this stuff out. It, it, it's that kind of. You know, we get these calls, uh, we might have a possible bias crime. All right. Well, what do you got? Well, we want you to figure it out. No, 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 no. The captain is there. He needs to make a designation. Well, he wants you guys to investigate it first. No, that's not the way this works. He wants you to investigate it and see whether or not yeah, it's a case so he, to his liking or something. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Ask a few questions, figure out what you want to do, and then we'll take it from there. Um You'd be surprised. There would be times where we get instances where they wouldn't make things a hate crime, and you would think it would be mm -hmm. um, with, with gay slurs. Um, Stuff where maybe there is a little more to the story. Yes. Yeah. You know, there was a guy up on uh, a couple of gay guys got convicted, you know, of uh, in some fight that was at Dallas Barbecue, I think, up on 23rd. They had some kind of chair throwing uh, thing and, and somebody got convicted for like nine years or something over that stuff okay along with the northbound a train or sound view at 5 45 in the morning dallas barbecue avoid the place you know I, I i used to get you know back in the day you know get food out of there and stuff over the years uh, probably some of the worst fighting and insanity would go on in some of these Dallas barbecues. People get full of ribs, man. <laughs> yeah, full of ribs and you just get crazy. Um, and I, I, you know, I like the food there, but it, it's not, it, I, I don't know. This stuff. It, it depends, you know, it, it, it's not worth it because there, it, there's certain places that just attracts a crowd that, you know, it's bad. And no rhyme or reason to it. It just does. Uh, Subway crimes have prompted a NYPD says, to add more than 600 officers to the transit system. Now, I, think, I thought they were going to add five, and I guess they added some. The MTA wanted 1,500 after a particularly bad uh, well, couple know, of deals in there. <laughs> we're, we're also, okay, this is another area right now where people are getting into whose dick is bigger contest, okay? You have the MTA, you have the transit division of the MYPD, you have the mayor on one side you have cuomo's people on the other and there has been an uptick of violence and crime on the subway i get it but you know there's this whole thing with the 500 extra cops well that's after they realized they had a serial killer running around on the of what else the a train yeah um, true serial killer you think well he got it all done in 15 hours well that just did he got it all done in one day um but, you know, oh, we're going to put 500 cops in the subway. All right. Well, that's all well and good. Um, you know, now they want to jack up. I don't even know who's supposed to troll, patrol the subway anyway. If the if Governor Cuomo and the MTA 
if they want to put thousands of cops in the subway, knock yourselves out. Great. Do it. Then the NYPD can take their 3,200 cops that we have assigned to transit, put them back up in the street. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, it seems like a sensible solution. Well, every, you're not running all this stuff. Every, everybody keeps vying for, you know, there was a pissing match years back with the MTA, with the, putting the MTA police at the bridges and the tunnels. And, uh, you know, and then they start doing car stops. And, and then Cuomo says, ah, you know, they're going to put the state police into New York City. Right. Is there a, ne- a need for them here? No, there isn't. And I'm not knocking the state police. It, 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 it's a fine organization. We also have a very large state that you have a lot of areas where there's almost no police coverage. Do you need to be putting 10% of your force into New York City itself? No, you don't. So, I mean, granted, more cops in the subway, that's great. You know, is it going to stop the random face puncher? No, they're just going to go to the next station or hop on a train or find somebody else when there's no cops around. I mean, it really, the subway seems like an ideal place to do crimes, though. You know, you know getaway cars right there. You can transfer, go the other direction. You the, know? The, but the flip side of this coin is that people don't want to look at is that we used to arrest people, and they would go to jail, all right? That was a novel idea. Put people where they couldn't hurt others. And what do we got? We got criminal justice reform. So these people go walking around punching people in the face. They're getting a desk appearance ticket at the station house and getting released right back into humanity. Yeah, that's not As good. opposed to putting them through the system, maybe putting them on Rikers for a couple of weeks or whatever. Violent criminals, very often. Yeah, you know, there's absolutely no deterrence whatsoever now to punch somebody in the face or whatever it is you want to do. I was just I was just trying to track down this domestic where that was the situation, you know, bail reform and all this stuff. It's, it's causing a lot of problems. It really is. Uh, all right. Well, you know, we'll do something about it. I'm sure. I mean, I don't know what. I mean, yeah, like move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you what. By the time we get to the end of this summer, we're going to look back on this period and say, "Boy, that was quaint." Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know. Yeah. Remember, it, we thought we had it bad then. You know, we haven't really gotten the full taste of the criminal justice reform because of the lockdowns last year. Um, you get more people out on the street this year. The shootings, are gonna, which are already high, are going to go higher. More lunatics walking around. So, And state police are long gone now, too. They've left. Yeah, because they didn't want to be part of this whole uh, policing reform that involves them potentially losing their, uh, their jobs. jobs, career, lives, uh, freedom. Well, everything. that was part of the city council bill. I'm sure it wasn't to get rid of the state police. No, but no, it certainly the, worked the city that council way. just did that to fuck with the NYPD. Mm-hmm. That, that was a straight out. Yeah. You know, you think your lives are miserable now? Just wait. How many of them think sincerely, think sincerely that this is an issue? Some of them do. Some of them are pragmatic about it, and some of them are just completely off the charts. They're out of their fucking minds. Evil, and they and they hate law and order. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, wait till it's them, if it ever is. A New York woman got quite the surprise when she learned. This is a nice one here. We need a nice story. Uh, got quite the surprise. She learned a stranger spent the night in her car. Uh, yes, yeah, so a Chulani Sterling. She lives in the Bronx. She'd gone viral. Yeah, she has gone viral after a sleeping stranger left a thank you note in her car. Thank you for letting me sleep in your car for the night. Lock your door next time. Whoever spent the night in her car uh, did not steal anything, though everything from her glove compartment was spread around her car. I guess she didn't have anything the guy wanted. Yeah, Yeah, didn't steal anything. I have a nice scraper. He didn't take that. 
He took the warm, glovey part of it, but he left the scraper. Sterling told NBC she thought she locked her car. I could have sworn my car was locked because I pressed the button three times until it goes beep. I could have swore it was locked, but obviously I didn't because they were in there. Yes. Very, they were in there being all grateful and everything. Was this a slow news thing? All right, because... It went viral, Pete. That makes it news. I, I lived in Stuyvesant Town back in the early 90s. And I went out to work one morning, and I had a Jeep, uh, you know, the old Wrangler-type Jeep. At the time, I had the soft top on. Cold morning, very cold. And I got in the car. I had moved some stuff a couple of weeks before, so I took the back seat out of the Jeep. So it was just flat back there. I get in the car, and I notice this certain aroma. And I'm like, hmm. So I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden I hear, I glance over and there is a body moving in my back area of my car. And you're like, oh, yeah, her. <laughs> yeah, no. No. Um, I thought I dumped her. No, no, no. And here's this fucking homeless guy sleeping in the back of my Jeep. I get out of the car. Like I, like a friggin' cat that climbed up. It, you know? I, I'm like, I was screaming. I'm like, what the fuck are you? I get out of my car. Mm. He's, oh, you know, it's cold. I was just trying to get out of the wind. He's, get out of the wind. Get out of my car. You know, <laughs> get in the wind. I don't know why you're so mad. You know, you know what you smell number like? Number one, you just scared the balls off me. Number two, you could knock the buzzards off a shit wagon at 100 yards. I'm like, you're kind to explain this to him, Pete. <laughs> oh, oh, God, my car, it, it stunk of. Homeless dude feet, and uh, mm. we used to call that dairy feet. When you get these guys that don't take their shoes off for months on end, then you know they get arrested and they take their shoes off two servings a day, and it smells like you know like rancid old milk in July that's sitting on the roof. And uh, ah, he stunk Man. the shit out of my car. It smelled for days. Maybe he works at the creamery. Uh, you know, uh, that's, but I, uh, there was no national media coverage. But this was—he didn't leave a note. You know, he could have thanked you in person. I don't suppose he did. No, he didn't. She's going to get a note next time that says, "Thank you for letting me take a dump in your car." Well, if he was a Renaissance guy, he might have, uh, you know, pinched a loaf in there, <laughs> left to reduce. It's from the sound of it, at first I thought that was what you cut the guy in in, in mid squat there. No, my guy was just in mid snore, and uh, it's still—it's just. Nasty, you know. You don't need, to, yeah. You don't need him to crap. Yeah. It's it's bad already. That that smell is worse than any other that I know of. I, now you've got dead bodies smell, the DOA. I will tell you this: there is nothing worse than stepping in what I used to call man do. Um, it, it's man do. Man do is horrendous. It's not like dog shit. You step in man do, man. You know it. And uh, yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of two hundred pound dogs wandering around. <laughs> Especially like crackhead man do, you know, that's oh. on a diet of Big Macs, Old English crack, and, uh, you know, whatever else, some Thunderbird. Mm -hmm. You step in that shit, man. It, it, it's, ugh. Yeah, it, it, the shit of anybody who shits outside, at least anywhere you're going to step in it, man, it's going to be bad. That's not somebody with a healthy diet. That's for sure. Years back, we were working on a case, and a police officer had been murdered, and we were looking for people that were involved in this thing. A lot of it revolved around 8th Avenue and 116th Street. So there was a big empty lot 
it used to be, we used to call it the Kennedy Arms Hotel when the building was still there. That was where one of the Kennedys was found with a needle in his arm. Um, <laughs> he got robbed. It was it was a long. It was all over the news in 1980. Yeah. So we after that it was the Kennedy Arms, <laughs> but it was a vacant lot. Ten years later, and we go walking back there, and we're looking for these crackheads, and I see a few of them standing in the back of the lot, and I go back there, and. There's a few people there, and there's one weekend warrior, well-dressed guy, um, and he's he got a bit of an attitude with me, and the crackheads knew why we were there. They knew that we were investigating the death of a police officer, so they knew we weren't playing. This guy wants to be a dick, and I'm like, bro, take a fucking hike. I don't want to catch you back here again. You know, we'd been up probably around 72 hours at this point, nonstop. I go back to that that lot a couple hours later, and as I'm walking through the lot, I step in a gigantic pile of mandu. And this is when we had the Herman's, uh, like the Herman survival boots with the big cleats on the bottom. It's caked in there. Who do I hear laughing at me? The weekend warrior. And he goes, ah, you stepped in shit. <laughs> He's laughing. I went up to him. I put him up against the wall. I kicked him right square in the ass and left a perfect boot imprint of Mandu on the seat of his pants. Oh, that's great. And I says, yeah, you know what now, motherfucker? You're wearing it. I says, and if you don't get out of here, you're going to eat it. Give me a break. Really? You did that? Oh, you lost I was, your damn mind. I did lose my mind. <laughs> At that point, between physically exhausted and this jerk off standing there going, you stepped in Mandu, you know. I bet after that, you probably, I bet your day turned a little more chill because you hit a peak, right? And then you, you, uh, I don't know about hitting the peak. I certainly peaked when I hit him right in his ass. Uh, <laughs> I was working with a very old time tough cop who was stone face, you know? Yeah. And no time for these shenanigans. We walked out of the parking lot and when we got back in the car, he broke down laughing. He says, he says, I, he says, you know, he says, at this stage of the game, I really needed a laugh. He says, I wasn't going to laugh in front of that fucking guy. <laughs> but he says, that was great. He, you know, um, should I have not done that? Well, yeah, you're not supposed to do things like that. That's but. great, though. That's that's I want those kind of cops are the ones who keep the streets safe. Well, they do because people tend not to fuck with you after that. Yeah, uh, word gets around. Like, hey, man, why do you smell like shit? Uh, this, nah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how does I don't know where he was going home to, but you know, yeah, honey, why you got man do on your pants? An alleged teen gangbanger may be getting a sweetheart deal. Uh, yes, he could get a day in court all because he managed to graduate from high school. He's going to get a good deal for graduating high school. Now, this guy uh, is dubbed. Uh, the Peyton Manning of criminal conduct by one former prosecutor. Isn't that great? That, that's just wonderful. Yeah. And he got a high school diploma. He's a Hall of Fame guy. He he changes the play at the line a lot. You know, he assesses the defense. He's the Peyton Manning of uh, criminal conduct. You know, you know who my favorite actor happens to be? Peyton Manning. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I love him in those... Commercials, he does. 18-year-old Courtney Yates is a reputed member of the Folk Nation street gang. Mm. I've never heard of you, the Folk Nation. Well, I've ring not a bell. ringing a bell with me. Yeah. So. I mean, he might be the Bart star of uh, 
Yeah, he's yeah. Maybe he's the yeah Tony uh, Romo of Trent, the Trent Dilfer of yeah, uh, you know, uh, Colin <laughs> Kaepernick of <laughs> yeah of everything. Yeah, you're he, a shit quarterback. You know, nine busts. It says in four open cases in Queens and and in violent Brooklyn, including a felony robbery conviction for which he's awaiting sentencing. Uh, sentencing the troubled teen now back at Rikers Island on a one hundred and fifty thousand dollar bond after yet another arrest. Last week for possession of a loaded handgun. Wonder how they found that gun. Troubled teen is now back at Rikers, like I said, and no, one judge is contemplating giving him youthful offender status, which would reduce his prison time, wipe out his record crimes. Uh, this is not going to end well with this kid. It's just not. Currently know. awaiting sentencing on two Queens cases after pleading guilty to both. Okay, those two crimes were a felony robbery case and a, and a stealing a car. So those okay. This guy does not sound like. I mean, this might be some prosecutorial uh, overstretch here. On this guy's like the Mauve Throneberry of uh, you know describing this kid as the Peyton Manning of criminals. You know what? That's a very routine arrest record. Oh really? Okay. I mean, unless he's got a couple of bodies on him, you know, then I'm impressed. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. You know, you you getting guys that had open gun cases on him. You grab him with another gun and. No big deal. Yeah. Nobody was calling them painting Manning. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, he also has two open cases. He's charged with possession of a loaded gun. And uh, that those are from May and February of 19. And right. the judge in his Queens case, uh, that's, this is a youth court judge, uh, Lenora Gerald. She's now considering the uh, youthful offender status, citing the teen's high school graduation as a sign that he can redeem himself. I don't know if that really... Remember, graduating high school was just an expected thing. Yeah, it was something you're supposed to do. I mean, you, you that was... At the very least, I was going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was... You, I couldn't... I don't know if I could live with myself, be in there for a while, and then not... I mean, it's just I high mean, school. I know a lot of guys that dropped out of high school, went into the military. To do something good, right? To go on with their lives. And I wouldn't have done that. Came back and, you know... Got their GEDs. And, yeah, your equivalency. And some of them weren't becoming very big bosses in the police department. And they, without a doubt, some of the finest people I ever worked for. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not claiming that you learn anything useful in there. I'm just saying it's, uh, you know. But you know what? You do what you got to do. Um, and sometimes people have to drop out, take care of families. And stuff. I understand that. Yeah. This little kid did nothing but drop out and be a fucking perp. No, he didn't drop out. He finished. <laughs> This is one of the people who, and it's this big deal, you know? Yeah, I, mean, not, I don't know. Well, Gerald is seeking to consolidate his cases with the Brooklyn one, and uh, she said in that case, uh, the one judge would have to agree with the move. It's not sitting well with some of the Big Apple, it's some in the Big Apple criminal justice system they have a problem. At his age and with his record, and this many open cases, he's the Peyton Manning of criminal justice. That's former Bronx prosecutor uh, Michael DeSanero. Scenario. This guy's a former Bronx prosecutor. He's seen much worse no, than I'm this. I'm going to tell you something. Listen, shame on this reporter that wrote this story. Oh, shame and, on this guy for trying to just... Shame on the prosecutor. And, you know, because you really, if you think about it, what if this kid did get his act together? And what happens now? You know, you, you go looking for a job two, three years down the line. You haven't been in trouble. You've been says here you were called the Peyton Manning of you criminal the conduct. Peyton Manning... Yeah. And you want a job here? Yeah, I don't you know. know. It sounds like somebody should have shut that pie hole before they. Don't get me wrong; it's a bad record. 
But is it totally exceptional? Not really. But he, I mean, the prosecutor doesn't make a decent point. He goes, he says, what I don't understand is with his record, why him? I don't see why. I have clients with much less, and they haven't gotten this kind of a break. Okay, by comparison, you know, they, he, he's worse than some. Well, there's also the other side of this argument is he just might be a rotten, miserable little scumbag. You know what? He probably belongs in jail. Yeah, and he's... Uh, it's the judges here. Uh, the youthful offender statute is something. With this, this is called. I mean, I'm sure you're familiar it's with it. It's complete hand job. Yeah, it's something for the judges to use. Uh, with the, uh, oh uh, yeah, the, the, it can give defendants 19 or younger a break. Uh, that and judges, that's up to their discretion. Judges have a lot of freaking discretion. Yeah, but they'll they'll turn this kid loose upon society again. Some poor bastard will get killed. And, uh, They're trying to turn their lives around. Yeah, some of them do. I'm not gonna, you know. That's, that's all I don't, I, I don't want to throw asparagus here, Pat. Yeah, you no, know? no, no, no. Yeah, we don't. And we don't want to take a young man and just throw him in the garbage. And we don't want. We're just taking this young man and just throwing him in the trash. I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> but when you, is it? He's got a substantial record. Is it overly notable? I've seen worse. But past actions are good future indicators and uh i i you know I, I don't think he should be loosed upon humanity again because of the he went out and got his ged or whatever i'm sorry you know something pete you just bum me out if, if that past actions are good indicators because <laughs> got about 25 30 more years on this planet i don't know how good they're gonna go i mean well, a lot of bad decisions yeah, uh, you know, myself included. Any, <laughs> you've done the same, huh? Yeah. Uh, it says anytime you're dealing with someone who is young, you need to allow for the possibility, even at 22, that even at 22, not everyone is a fully functional adult. Sometimes they make rash decisions. I don't know. Uh, it seems to me like you start... All that's going to lead to is, you know, five years. You'll be saying, you know, even up to 25, 28, people don't know what they're doing. You start I, making, just making allowances for people. Just get, you know, you, you get to be a certain age. That's it. But at the end of the day, what people need to do. You have responsibility. You have to fear the law. Yeah. And the consequences of your actions. If you don't have that, people are just going to keep going on doing what they were doing. There was a judge, uh, Judge Torres. Uh, a particularly really heinous case. Um, the Brian Watkins homicide. The family was here from Utah, and he, they, yes, kids was stabbed them. Famous, it changed New York. And these kids were being jerks in court one day, and Torres didn't put up with any bullshit. And Torres had grew up tough himself. Mm. Torres looked over his glasses and said, "Excuse me." He says, "Being that you got plenty of time here to sit here and carry on," he says, "I want you to think about this. Your parole officers." Haven't been born yet. <laughs> you know, there were judges like him. There was another guy, Judge Rothwax, uh, who everybody called Roughwax. There was Judge Galligan. They used to call Reich as Galligan's Island. Yeah. Because um, you went in there and he would, they were deathly afraid of these guys. They yeah. Were, another guy, uh, Judge Scott, who was called Maximum Scott. Uh, for a reason, and I like the guy. He would sit there with a forty-five on his hip. I mean, he was the judge. Um, judge had the biggest gun in the room, and not one fuck was given, and he didn't care who you were. He didn't care who the lawyers were. He was the judge. It was his courtroom. You want to play games? 
I will bury you. He didn't even use a gavel. He just fired that forty-five. He didn't, over you know his what? Head. That was a guy that could silence a courtroom with a look, mm. just with a look. And you knew you didn't play with these guys. I love the judges with nicknames, you know. But uh, you know, there's one that, that was not such a tough on crime judge. Cut him loose, Bruce. Yeah, he was a clown. Yeah, <laughs> he was an activist. He cut a guy loose back in the seventies, and that guy went on a few months later to kill a New York City police officer, uh, police officer Billado. You know, there was plenty of outrage, and you know what? Turn him loose, Bruce. Just fired right back at the media and everybody else. He didn't care. Yeah, activists. His son's a judge too. I don't care, Lair. <laughs> he really does have a son, though, as a judge. But you get son a, of Bruce. You get a guy like like Judge Rothwax, and or as they used rough to say, wax. Rough Wax. Rough Wax had some jackass in front of him one day, and the kid was being a dick. Oh man. man, thank God I'm not a jackass in front of Rough Wax right now. Well, Rough Wax looked at him, and he said, uh. They were debating how long he was going to sentence this kid to jail. The kid's sitting there with an attitude. He says, I want you to count the buttons down the front of your shirt. And everybody's looking at him like, what? He says, count the buttons. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He says, that's a great number. Seven and a half to 15. Bang. Next case. Brutal. And you know what? That word would spread, and these guys would be like, oh, you don't want to go in front of this guy. You don't want to – because they would put these people in jail where they belonged. And really just the fact that they're not on the street is going to cut crime down. Without not only doubt. does word get around, but they are indisposed. Now, they might be in there learning how to do crime. Sure. But now we have guys that are doing these gigantic burglary patterns, 10, 15, 20 burglaries. They're getting arrested and getting cut loose the next day. It's no good. What do you think they're going to do when they go back out on the street? Do you think they're going to go get their GED or yeah. whatever it is they do with they, their spare time? When they get home, they're looking at each other and go, well, what do you want to do now? Yeah. yeah. You know what? I think we could have pulled that off. <laughs> Let's give it another shot. It's just terrible. Hey, criminal justice reform. Terrible thing. Stop reforming criminal justice. Keep it. I mean, at this point, it needs to be reformed again the other way, though. That's that's my take on it. Not going to happen. Never, you think? You think never? Never well, will happen? We've become desensitized to crime. Like I said, we get it. We get pummeled with, the, with the social media 24-7 now. You used to have to wait a day to see the next day's headlines or the 6 o'clock news. Now it's nonstop. We're desensitized. And crimes that just 10, 15 years ago that would really shock people. It's like routine stuff. It's just another news story. True. Mass shootings are one of those things. A you know, mass shooting now, it, it might not even really get penetration. You know? It seems that way. Yeah. You hear about them. One more story here about a uh, Bronx sex offender who's on the loose. I want to share this story with you because I'm having fun. This is out of uh, today's New York Post. It's out of the physical post, too. And a great headline. And they, and they give it such prominent, you know, placing here on the page of the paper. It's such a, you know, it's blasted across. The, this is like a tiny little one-inch deal. Bronx sex fiend is on the loose. God yeah. forbid we don't want that news out there. Oh, God, that's, that's bad. A man attempted to rape two women, and uh, he's uh, and that was in the span of less than an hour over the weekend. And, uh, wow, in the latter incident, the second one was at 6.50 p.m., Saturday, the creep, uh, he approached a 39-year-old woman from behind. I mean, you know, that's the best way to approach a, a woman. 
uh, at uh, Morris Avenue, East, East 174th Street in Mount Hope. It's pretty far up there. But she fought off the attacker. He took off. Cops believe the same suspect assaulted a 29-year-old woman inside a residential building at Morris Avenue. And she, too, resisted, and the man again fled. So I guess you can fight them off, huh? Well, they do have good video on that one. They do? Yeah, they do. Okay. Yeah, I saw that on the news. Oh, that's great. Yeah, well, what? you have to fight them off. I mean, I, mean, it, I Give it a I, shot. I, you got to I, lose. Without a doubt. I pity these women, you know, to get caught in these situations. But, uh, you know, what is the option? You yeah. Know? Well, as one who who was the politician or somebody, I don't know who it was, but he was often quoted, you know what, don't resist, just lay back and enjoy it. That was Tex Antoine, the weatherman on Channel 7. <laughs> I remember that well. That was also the end of his career on the spot. Even, even for the 70s, that was a little bit, you know, that's... That seems out. He actually even I think it might have been even been worse than that. I think he said uh they always need a guy about He wasn't gone thirty seconds and he was done. He was one of the most popular newsmen in New York City. Antoine's nightly weather report was a wonderful mix of weather, cartoon art, and storytelling. He would start his weather segment standing next to an easel covered by blank papers and he would proceed to draw the weather systems that were pertinent to the nation and the area. As his hands drew in the lows, highs, and fronts, his voice would narrate their past and expected movements, and what their effects would be. As he filled page after page of the easel, he engaged his audience. He instructed the viewers about their weather, rather than just informing them of a forecast. Antoine also entertained viewers during each report by writing the temperature in large numerals on his big blank pad, then embellishing with the marker as his weather narrative proceeded until the numeral had finally become part of a whimsical cartoon illustrating some facet of the day's weather or forecast. In 1966, Tex Antoine moved from WNBC to WABC-TV Eyewitness News. On November 24, 1976, on the 6 p.m. broadcast, Antoine's weather report came up just after a story of the rape of an eight-year-old girl. Tex thereupon quipped, With rape so predominant in the news lately, it is well to remember the words of Confucius, If rape is inevitable, lie back and enjoy it. Roger Grimsby led the 11 p.m. newscast that night with the official apology from WABC. Five days later Grimsby would introduce Antoine's replacement, Storm Field, with, Lie back, Relax and enjoy the weather with Storm Field, it too caused controversy. He died in Manhattan in 1983, at age 59, under the name, H. Lie back and enjoy it, John Antoine. Rape is inevitable, enjoy it. But he was also boxed when he did it. Uh, those guys used to go out and Roger Grimsby and those guys, they used to get all ginked up and let's go do the news. That's, uh, I mean, really, it's... It's understandable. Tex Antoine had a character called Uncle Weatherby. I used to help him do his weather for. I mean, the guy was entertaining. He was years before his time with Weatherman. You know, we didn't get another character until uh, Lloyd Lindsay Young in the 1980s, who used to get on there every day and he'd pick out a town and he'd say, Hello, Hackensack. Oof, that sounds terrible. No, he was terrible. <laughs> the guy was a goof. 
but he was entertaining to watch. A fear, perhaps shared by millions of New Yorkers, becomes reality. What if suddenly a sidewalk grating lets go from under your feet? It happened today in Manhattan and 16... If it does, just lay back and enjoy <laughs> it. Enjoy the ride. Fall down and enjoy it. Yes, uh, he's got a fro. Of course, he's famous for not losing his job after he said, keep fucking that chicken. I mean, that's, he straight up said, keep fucking that chicken. Yes, he did. I doesn't even make any sense. If rape is inevitable, lie back and enjoy it. Yeah, he didn't know what hit him. Uh, that was, that, was he, that fast. But, but, considering the first part of the quote, he says, <clears throat> if rape is inevitable... And he said, inevitable, inevitable. It can't be avoided. You know what I mean? Now, that's a big if. It has to be inevitable. Well, uh, the only thing that was inevitable <laughs> after that comment, <laughs> it was the end of his career. About it literally cannot be avoided. That was pack your shit and get out within seconds after he got off the If the, the girl hadn't been eight, you know, I mean, if it just is... Yeah, he uh, you cannot say that ever, but certainly not then. Wow, that was fucking. What kind of? What the fuck was he thinking? That was that. That had to be about. I'd say a half dozen martinis before he got on air. He had New York City crime report syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> Should have kept his mouth, mouth shut. Thanks, <laughs> thanks very much for hanging out, Pete. Yeah, welcome. I Pat. mean, uh, did you have another comment on that? Oh, well, yeah, there was a bar right across the street from the ABC Studios on 66th Street in Columbus Avenue. Oh, I see. They and they got smart and put a, a bar across the street. Guys, it was a cool bar back in the day. I went in a couple of times, but it was always the place, especially in the evening, we packed with people from Channel Seven. Roger Grimsby be in there, and he was an obnoxious dick. You mm. know, when he had a couple of drinks in him, Grimsby. Um, but you know, okay, great. That's a great newscaster name. Those guys, Roger were, Grimsby. Those guys were all heavy hitters back in the day. Nothing like the people that we have today. No, Ernie and Astis. Um, uh, he was a new guy then. He was the new kid on the block. He, he's got a. He's got the horse shack fro. He is the patron saint of Greeks. He is the Peyton Manning of newscasting. His picture is up in every Greek diner in New York City. Oh God, the Greeks love other Greeks. Uh, well, especially Ernie. Everybody's a little bit Greek, as they say. Hey, if you want to see a great show, come to Comedians of Compound with Anthony Cumia. That's the man. And he's going to be, uh, what, what do you call it, uh, presiding, I guess. And and also uh, great comics, Aaron Berg, Gino Biscani, Chrissy Mayer, Pat Dixon, Larry Bea, even Bobby Tamburo. Bobby Burrow will be there. It's uh, Comedians of the Compound, and when can you can go is March 20th. Yes, March 20th, and it's in New Jersey, the Dojo of Comedy, and Tiff's at Tiff's Grill and Ale House. So, I'm going to give you the number. Uh, you can call 973-290-9777, or you can just email Mike at Tiff'sComedy.com. I'm not going to say it again, because all you got to do is just go back. Okay, I'll say it again. 973-290-977, or email Mike at TiffsComedy.com for reservations. See you there. It's, you know, Come see some stand-up for a change. You know, it's been about a year now since that'll be March 20th. It'll be right out of a year of lockdown. You're tired of this shit, and uh, live comedy hasn't come back in a big way yet. So let's, you know, be one of the first, man. If you like comedy, then prove it. My, my friend. And uh, all right, Pete, uh, I'll, I'll talk to you soon again, I hope. Thanks okay, for Pat. hanging out and doing this show when you have so much 
more pressing, important things to do. I know you do. And thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report.